VMUG Unfiltered is a weekly podcast highlighting the successes and challenges of VMware solutions across a range of industries, company sizes, and business objectives. I'm your host, Al Rashid, and I'll be guiding each conversation to share real, unfiltered VMware stories from VMUG members around the world. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, this is Al Rashid. I am a systems administrator and a DC VMUG leader based out of Northern Virginia. Uh, today, we have on the show as a follow-up to our previous segment back in May, Francis Mondea. Could you please introduce yourself? Hey, oh, thanks. Um, yeah, so my name is Francis. I'm also a systems administrator for a company here in New Zealand. Um, this, as mentioned last time, we spoke previously with our experiences using um, VMware Horizon. And um, I guess it's a follow-up podcast to check up on where we've been and how how we're going and um, where we want to be. Yep, absolutely. So when we last spoke, uh, and it was back in May, uh, we discussed business continuity in the age of COVID-19. We are roughly five months into this. And as you mentioned, uh, we'd like to uh, follow up and just discuss where you are, where you're moving to, and some of the lessons learned. So if you could, let's go ahead and um, start off by just giving us an update since we last spoke in May. Yeah, um, so just since that, um, I guess we've already f- fully deployed it in production. Um, it's been running well. Um, by that, I mean, no, there's been no major issues. Um, of course, there are always some issues along the way, but uh, we've been able to work through them. And um, that kind of feed into our next project, which is basically, I'm just touching on the updates here a bit uh, when we're going to rebuild everything again, this time on a proper stack uh, in its own um, set of machines for us to be able to hopefully resolve those issues that we faced. Um, it's It's been running um, from, from, from a company perspective, it's, it's been running great to the point that um, the CEO has decided to roll it out to everyone in the company. Um, it's basically um, doable. Uh, of course, there are some challenges that we uh, in the scoping um, activity that we had. So we determined there are challenges with some of the remote sites, but we've also been um, looking at solutions to them, and we think they're not insurmountable. Um, I guess it's just a challenge of um, having, you know, um, offices scattered all over the world, but. Um, yeah, Horizon should be able to uh, to overcome those challenges for us, and hopefully give us uh, the 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 way we want to deploy and how we want our employees to work. Yep, and for those uh, that are new to the podcast, or if you haven't listened to segment one uh, with Francis, he is based out of New Zealand, but they have remote locations, as he pointed out, throughout the world. And um, so thank you for giving that update. And uh, for my next question, what have you learned about your environment? And this includes the capacity, uh, the size, uh, performance issues. I know you've briefly discussed on what you want to do moving forward, starting from scratch, building it out. But if you can kind of elaborate, that would be extremely helpful. Yeah. um, So as mentioned, we've had some, there are always issues, right? Um, nothing that's insurmountable. Um, so a majority of the issues that we face 
initially we're uh, we're teething issues with the clients and dealing with computers, well, personal computers, office developers, and staff. Um, obviously, you you need to be as a particular distribution of or a particular version of Windows um, to be able to use the Horizon client um, and. With, we were we also had issues with Mac and Ubuntu um, operating systems, but nothing that was insurmountable. Um, so eventually, it's just you know, bring it up to the latest, whatever update you can get, um, and it should work fine. Um, of course, the connections of the users were also a problem, granting <laughs> uh, that not everyone had had fiber, or you know we've got a desperate range of um, um, internet service providers being used. Um, of course, some had better experiences th uh, th uh, than others. Um, others had more um, challenging, but overall, it was uh, uh, those issues were um, workable, and you know, we just had to accept that some had better experience than others. Um, in terms of um, capacity, um, yeah, we we ran into issues with that, primarily with. Um, because we had to deploy it um, with whatever we had at the time, um, we were already reaching around, I think we've reached more than 70% of our vSAN capacity on a production VMware cluster that we had, which wasn't ideal. And vSAN was already sending us warnings that, hey, if a node fails, you won't be able to recover and that kind of stuff, which um, is still really um, concerning. Uh, thankfully, um, we were able to muster enough budget to be able to add a node to our production cluster. And as mentioned already, um, management had decided since we're going to roll this out to the entire company, it's better to sit at its own stack. So we would be able to surmount those capacity issues from the stack um, itself. Um, and at the same time, um, you know, users also had um, capacity issues. Where um, initially, I think we just gave them a hundred gig of disk space, but obviously the code that they had to check out and and you know build and all this other development related stuff was more than hundred gig. Um, so they had to find some creative ways to do that. Uh, obviously, that feeds into our next um, stack. And yeah, we had to we had well, we can't give them unlimited storage. That's for sure. Um, but we had to. Like, come to an agreement that, okay, this would be the reasonable size for your remote desktops or for your virtual desktops. Um, and then we had to make sure that um, if there's additional um, storage requirements, then uh, they would be able to do that via some remote file system, usually via NFS. Um, so the other capacity issues we had were memory, virtual machine, uh, the virtual desktops were running out of memory. Um, obviously, we didn't take into account that their some of the uh, like some of our um, QA guys would be opening very large trace files, which are like sixty to eighty gigs in size, and sometimes that would just bork the uh, the virtual desktop, uh, and the virtual desktops had to be reset. Um, and I guess that falls back into the, our 
main issue with capacity where our primary vSAN cluster where we deployed the Horizon desktop service already maxing out as well. So like they were running into the low 90s already, which is well, not really ideal. <laughs> um, so that, I guess, uh, as mentioned, they, these, these aren't uh, insurmountable issues. So thankfully, my management decided to be able to that we're going to use this you know, permanently. And then the directive came out that whatever issues that we were, we were facing, don't let that discourage you from using the virtual desktop because um, we will be moving to this permanently uh, um, in the future. Um, work with IT to make sure that we find a way to fix it. Uh, in this instance, uh, and if not, then let's feed that into the uh, with the learnings uh, knowledge base so we can factor that in when we rebuild it to a more permanent um, properly sized um, infrastructure right absolutely and thank you for sharing that and in fairness to you in fairness to you know horizon your end users um, your team members so on and so forth for those again that haven't listened to the first segment uh, I highly encourage you to do so because, and, and Francis, you can remind me if I'm incorrect, but I'm <laughs> fairly certain of this. You and your team were asked to implement Horizon in a 72-hour window. And, and when I say you, this applies <laughs> to a lot of folks in the IT industry uh, early during COVID. We were all put in a position that, A, we were not necessarily unprepared for, but we weren't ready for. Uh, in the magnitude of a project like this. So if you want to elaborate on that, you're more than welcome to. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah, So as, as Al mentioned, um, we had a very quick, well, we had to have a quick turnaround. Um, essentially, we finished our demo, supposedly, evaluate, or we got the evaluation on a, fri- on a Friday around 5 p.m., said, ah, oh, everything was great. And then on a Saturday, we got the notice that this has to go live on Monday by 8 a.m. So we had to basically work through the weekend. Um, yeah, we kind of had issues with how with with our main cluster that we still had to fix before we were able to deploy the desktop. So yeah, I mean, it wasn't easy, but we got there in time. And um, it, it was, but uh, yeah, looking back, um, to be fair, we did have a lot of um, testing done. I mean, as I probably um, as, as a throwback to, uh, to to that previous podcast, I, I don't know if I mentioned it. So we've already been um, um, wrangling with it for like three or four months before that. So we we, we kind of know what we had to do. It's just that we 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 were we just weren't expecting that we had to turn it around in that short amount of time. Um, but yeah, thankfully we th- thankfully we did. Um, it uh, as mentioned earlier, you know, you, it it did bring issues, uh, but nothing that was insurmountable and nothing that we could you couldn't work through. Um, so yeah, uh, I I guess uh, as I mentioned, it's you know, we we weren't really expecting to go into the type of. I mean, we were looking at it early January as like, okay, this is ready, we can deploy it, you know, whenever we want to. I mean, at the back of my mind, I was like, already, oh, I was also listening to developments around the world. I was like, wow. So if you really, if you want to do into lockdown, we might do this properly. 
um, and all the other things that we that we know we needed to do because we were we were we had some sort of rough um, list of you know if we take this into production, this is the things we want to do, but not we would want to do it on a weekend remotely <laughs> and make sure that it's ready by eight a.m. on Monday, kind of thing. Um, yeah, it was it was a bit of a of a mad dash, but yeah, but yeah it was uh, it was also a great learning experience. That's good to hear. And, and like most people, again, especially in IT, realize, you know, things don't happen at a snap of a finger. It does require <laughs> some testing, some implementation, mm-hmm. uh, being prepared. And, and furthermore, as you mentioned also earlier uh, in your update, um, you can't necessarily give end users everything or accommodate their every need because there is a business <sighs> aspect to this. But, you know, with your initial rollout, uh, you were kind of, you and your team were kind of put in a position where you didn't have that flexibility, but you also didn't want to affect the business continuity of things. And um, it sounds like you've definitely learned from these experiences. So that's what I wanted to ask you next. If you could, could you provide any recommendations or any advice for the audience based on your experiences, you know, from up until this point and, um, you know, what would you advise? How would you move forward? So on and so forth. Um, yeah. So um, uh, again, I, I guess I've already already mentioned some of the the, the learning tidbits um, previously, uh, but essentially, I think the the best learning that we had, or the takeaway for those who are wanting to implement a solution like this, is that um, well, for for one, do your testing. Because um, there's a lot of technical uh, technical um, things that you need to be able to sort out before, um, and make sure that you know if especially if you want to run it on prem, like what we do, uh, we we had to sort out of course the, the networking and how you know, storage and all that kind of stuff, um, and that kind of feeds into the. The, the type of work that uh, that goes in the background to make sure that if you want to do this um, <clears throat> in-house, uh, you have to be able to iron out the technical requirements um, to get the solution up, um, you know, because that that's going to be your, your your main barrier for for entry. Of course, from what I've read, from what I've read, I mean, if you're not really uh, that, um, should, should I say? Um, you know, concern about cloud and uh, how running things from the cloud. Um, yeah, VMware as well as uh, I think there's other providers, but I guess VMware has their own way of implementing this in the cloud. So it's just zero touch to you. you they just you know pay for it and then they provision it to you and give you the access keys. And that's going to be, I think, the, the faster way of doing it if you're really in a bind. But the thing is that's uh, that's uh, hosted in the cloud and you know if based on your company policy that might not be feasible for you but for some that has that option you can take that and save yourself from all the hassle of setting things up yourselves uh, in our case we had to do it internally uh, as mandated by company policy um, so once we got that uh, the technical setup out of the way um, the next thing would be to make sure that you know you as I mentioned there's a business end to this you just can't give users all anything that they want um, so you had to be able to right size your your um, infrastructure and the the virtual desktop um, uh, specifications so you don't 
you know, you, you get everyone basically uh, uh, a good experience. Um, in, in our case, uh, we had to make sure uh, the, the primary issue, I guess, was memory and um, disk space. Uh, that we ran into, but again, it's nothing insurmountable. It's just that you know the users just have to um, know what the limits are, and you know work with that uh, limitation. Um, at, at, at the end of the day, for us, it was you know it was sink or swim. We had we had to have something from, ready for them to use, or you know, we. We're gonna lose basically productivity, and you know the the business is just gonna grind to a halt. Um, and th- th- that's I guess so those I guess are some of the um, best learnings that we had. Um, you know, you so you, you, you once you you need to be able to make sure that you if you're hosting it internally, you're able to make sure that um, uh, you're, you're you're able to make uh, the right um, changes to your infrastructure uh, to, to get that to work. Uh, and if you're also uh, to make sure that uh, the capacity uh, on the, the requirements for the virtual desktops are properly sized uh, based on the infrastructure that you have. Um, Aside from that, uh, we've also done some tests on GPU powered um, virtual desktops, which is really fun. <laughs> um, I mean, uh, eventually from those tests, uh, we were able to deduce that, yeah, we we should be able to run um, this on our new stack. And that's why we are building our new stack with a node um, that has a GPU on it. Well, not really GPU, but we basically have two GPUs in there, an AMD and an NVIDIA GPU, because we were trying to test both. Um, some pros and cons with that uh, So as well. So maybe we can discuss that in another podcast uh, for the technical details of, 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 of that rig. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, so um, as you can probably deduce, we're, we're already trying to expand our use of um, you know, exploring some of the other features and um, as, as I don't think I've already mentioned it, but um, yeah, so moving forward also, um, since uh, I think generally the company or the CEO was happy with how, how the deployment has panned out. So we're trying to roll it out to um, other, to, well, to the entire organization. Um, uh, it's not as easy as it seems. Um, but you know, we've already identified some technical challenges, uh, but nothing that's insurmountable. And we're already looking at the other technologies, uh, complementary technologies that would help us overcome you know, working with um, offices in countries where there's uh, the internet links are not that um, good, or just working with um, you know, a, a demo lab environment where we need to have clients, um, or where we need to demonstrate things from our internal lab to our clients without them or without giving them VPN access. And I guess it's one of the, um, um, I'm not sure if it's the one of the intended use cases of Horizon, but technically I think it should be able to do so. Um, the goal, I guess, would be to 
eliminate VPN accounts for clients uh, and just, uh, or rather eliminate um, VPN-based demonstrations uh, by the sales engineers. So, and you know, running through a virtual desktop, that means we, we, we don't have to request special exemptions from the IT or firewall access or that other related things to that. Uh, it's just that you need just just need to have a web browser or install the Horizon client. I mean that that's the other beauty with Horizon. Um, if in in security constraints in, environments, you just need a web browser. You don't need to install anything. You can even run it on the on the um, customer or on the client's um, computers if you if if you really need to. Uh, and that that's really the one of the great um, benefits of having um, a system like Horizon. Absolutely. And there's, there's so many other considerations that have to be taken into account for, uh, you had mentioned that, but you know, first and foremost, you have the backing of your CEO. Uh, so that definitely makes your job and the job of your team uh, a lot easier. Uh, additionally, there's other fact, more factors to consider. And, um, my organization is very similar, but you can, again, correct me if I'm wrong, based on our previous discussion, uh, you've got a lot of end users that are developers. So, they have a demanding environment, uh, and cool. it, it's 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 it, 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 it requires a lot more than your typical end user environment per se. So it sounds like you and your team have adjusted very well. Yes, um, especially if the developers are, you know, Linux geeks <laughs> who wants to customize their desktop and that right. kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, um, because if if it's just standard Office use, it would have been very easy. Um, you know, with Windows, thin apps, um, or app volumes, and you can stream apps to them. Um, you don't even need, they don't even need a virtual desktop, to be honest. Um, but with, the, with, with, with developers, yeah, we had to make sure that they had a, a working Ubuntu um, virtual desktop that has all the tools that can access the right um, locations within the network. Um, in the virtual de- in the virtual environment, and um, the initial challenge with that, uh, there, from based from our initial test a, f- a few years before, um, Ubuntu support wasn't that seamless, but with Ubuntu eighteen oh four and the I think well, the initial trial, yeah I think we had uh, we were rolling out seven dot ten, um, or we were testing seven dot ten during that time, and Ubuntu eighteen oh four it's uh, it, it was already very good. Like you have a seamless desktops, you get to without much fidgeting. Um, once you just get through the initial provisioning and the template creation and stuff, um, it was seamless. So we were very happy with that. And we know that, okay, yeah, this is really something that we can deploy now. Um, and yeah, so looking forward actually to, um, to in the next iteration, we're gonna be testing Ubuntu 2004. Um, and I think, uh, I don't know if I've mentioned it already. Um, so we're already looking at VMA Horizon 8 um, for for the for the new production stack. We had a look at the upgrade guide. That should be a seamless upgrade. Of course, nothing is as it seems. Um, so the, we, we want to do some testing on that um, in, environment. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, it's, uh, it, it's the technology... I guess has come to a point that it's now really seamless and easy to deploy Ubuntu virtual desktops to um, to developers. 
Um, but but of course, you know, be, the developers being being who they are, all had um, they will always have some sort of reservation or, or some, some some sort of of comment that you know about this and that. But yeah, thankfully with the support of uh, the CEO, we were able to push it and say, hey, um, work with IT, whatever your qualms are. Um, you know, that's find a way to, to resolve it because, yes, you know, COVID is not going away soon. Um, and we might come, we might you know, go in and out of another level of lockdown, which of course we did, right? <laughs> um, and so that was actually, uh, we, so New Zealand had another level of lockdown um, in our, in another city. But since our office is also, our, our company has a, an office in that city, that the CEO decided we just close both offices just to ensure that everyone's safe. Um, and so, yeah, people again had to work from home. And this time around, it was just seamless. So everyone just, okay, we know the drill, just go for it. But yeah. I guess the good, the good thing with that was that once we got that, we got through the initial lockdown uh, that was New Zealand wide, um, the CEO decided, okay, hey, let's you know push this forward as our new platform to go because it you know aside from having work from home rights, we can actually lock the system down to the point that you know we we lessen the chances of our intellectual property being stolen, um, and so the order was made to 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 make sure that okay, even if we are back at the office, you know, used for virtual desktops uh, as much as you can work with IT because we might need to go back into work from home situation again, which apparently, well, it happened. Um, but the, the second time I was just so seamless uh, and everyone was happy. Um, I mean, obviously New Zealand is in a very good position in terms of where we are with our fight with COVID, but um, you know, you, you'll, you'll never know. Um, uh, you know, just a single person getting out or from isolation facilities, getting out of the community can trigger another one. Um, so yeah, and I guess we made the right decision to make sure that everyone was comfortable and uh, you know, using with the, using the virtual desktop system. And um, yeah, uh, we are gonna roll it out to our other teams and offices in other countries um, in the near future. Well, that's good. It sounds like you guys are headed in the, your organization's headed in the right direction. Um, I, I, briefly, I briefly touched on this last time. Uh, the organization I work for, at the time, we were in a, uh, in a trial with Workspace mm -hmm. One. Uh, we've gone yeah. ahead and moved forward and purchased the uh, licensing. So we're now a Workspace One customer. I don't want to elaborate because we're still in our infancy when it comes to testing. <laughs> but based yeah. on what we've heard from some of our, uh, our, our, our beta testers, some of our end users that are in the program mm -hmm. as beta testers, the experience has been positive, but it's never perfect initially. It just takes time to build and improve upon. So with that being said, and uh, before I let you go, do you yeah. have anything else to add to the uh, conversation? Did we, uh, did I miss anything? Or like I said, if you have something to add, you're more than welcome to. Yeah. Um, I, I guess one of the other things I want to add was that, so aside from running it company wide, so we've also got the directive to explore um, using all the other workspace one digital components, such as, um, I think, 
Yeah, so we were exploring ways to to do um, that thing about. So basically, it's it's about um, remote device management. So that feature of Workspace One. Uh, so we can roll out. Um, oh yeah, I think it was the Air the the AirWatch um, thing that VMware already integrated to Workspace One, where we can you know manage any type of device with Android or iOS. Because right now currently we're just iOS shops, and also um, one of the things that came out was that developers, um, you know, if they want to get company emails, they have to log into a web browser on their phone, which is not really great. Um, and so we were looking at the Workspace One um, Boxer app for providing email access um, to non-company devices uh, as well. Um, so yeah, we're, I guess because of the good experience that we had, so we've, we're, the management has decided to invest in other components of Workspace One. Um, so I guess that um, that's a testament to how good the solution is. Uh, of course, we still need to try how this thing works. Um, but be that as it may, I guess from our previous experiences, uh, we expect that to go well. Um, and you know, being able to, I guess, deploy um, some sort of end-to-end -end solution for not just virtual desktops, but remote application access and remote device access. I mean. I guess it would also make sense if you know if you've got systems uh, that are for that are for different companies if you can consolidate them to a single vendor, which is what we're trying to do, I guess. Um, so that we've got one point of contact, we've got hopefully we'll get better pricing um, from VMware if we do that. Um, and I guess yeah, the other thing I was looking at was um, VMware SD WAN for remote horizon deployments. Um, I've come across a company called VeloCloud, uh, and that's uh, yeah. I've already talked to them, and, and uh, I've uh, I think they're setting me up with a, with with a demo to see how the how the solution works. Um, just to uh, as this is, I guess, one of the uh, challenges that we're facing. So we think we need to get some sort of um, one acceleration over to one of our remote sites uh, in India. Uh, so that, because well, historically we've done some testing with them and performance isn't really acceptable. Um, so those are some of the solutions that we're looking at uh, implementing moving forward. And yeah, it's gonna be um, exciting times building those and integrating them into our um, suite of tools for the company. Nice, nice. Uh, well, we look forward to hearing more about this. Uh, and um, I believe uh, I, I'll give a quick mention to my good friend and fellow V community member, Rohan Nagi. I believe I mentioned him by name mm -hmm. to you when we yep. spoke privately. So he's definitely a good resource for Velo Cloud. Mm -hmm. And uh, before we go, and speaking of shout outs and uh, giving a plug, you know, as we get closer to VMworld, a friendly reminder for everyone uh, follow mm -hmm. my VMUG, uh, register for VMworld if you haven't already done so. Uh, it's free, it's virtual, and um, without knowing more than anyone else, I anticipate a lot of new announcements, um, and, and that may include announcements and, and, and product updates for Horizon and uh, Workspace ONE. Mm. So, um, yeah, I appreciate everything that you provided. I appreciate your uh, your insight and your feedback, uh, Francis, 
And uh, let's try to uh, regroup in a few months and see where you stand. Uh, yeah. God willing, things the, the world will return back to normal. But at least this is a product that we foresee using moving forward, uh, regardless of the situation around us. Yeah. Um, thanks for that, Al. And yep, um, if you know, you've got some questions, you're free to hit me up or hit Al up. Um, and you can uh, you know, start some conversations going. Sounds good, my friend. Appreciate your time again. And uh, with that being said, uh, we'll look, we look forward to speaking to you next time. All right. Thanks, Al. VMUG Unfiltered is a product of VMware User Group, an independent, global, customer-led organization created to maximize members' use of VMware and partner solutions through knowledge sharing, training, collaboration, and events. VMUG membership is free, but you can enhance your experience through VMUG Advantage, an upgraded VMUG subscription that provides exclusive access to 365-day evaluation licenses for more than 15 VMware solutions, plus discounts on training and VMworld conferences.